I have a problem that I think I know you're going to be able to relate to. I'm too busy. Even on the Lord's Day, I feel the pressures of unfinished work, a ringing cell phone, those unfinished tasks, which is why I'm glad to be reminded of a conversation I had about 10 years ago that convinced me that I really needed to take a Sabbath rest. Hi, I'm Charles Morris. This is the Great Stories Podcast. And on this episode, I want to introduce you to Dr. Matthew Sleeve. He's a former emergency room physician who discovered how much he truly needed a day of rest in his week after he found Jesus 20 years before and started reading the Bible. In this conversation, you'll hear how making simple changes in your life can allow you to make that day of rest become a weekly reality, a time for you to truly rest in the Lord. I think you'll be blessed in the next few minutes, just as I was in 2013, when I paused for a few hours from a busy life and dropped by the home of Matthew and Nancy Sleeth in Lexington, Kentucky. It helped me then. I pray it helps us both today. Welcome to Haven Today. We're coming to you from Lexington, Kentucky, and we're with Dr. Matthew Sleeth. He's written a book called 24-6. It's a fascinating book that's been recommended to me by several friends. And for the very first time, may I call you Matthew? Please. Welcome to this program. Thank you, Charles. It's good to be with you and your listeners. 24-6. Why not 24-7? How in the world did you come up with this as a title? Well, 24-7 has, has gotten to be... Uh, something that's advertised with pride it's on billboards it's on ads uh, mm -hmm. that that you can do things 24 7 and it's certainly an option of modern society that we can order a car at three in the morning on uh, saturday <laughs> or sunday we can go to school 24 7 we can communicate uh, 24 7 and uh, 24 6 is more in in sync and keeping with what God's plan was for us. And we, we read in the opening page of the Bible in Genesis that God created the heavens and the earth, and he, he did that in, in six days, and that on the seventh day, he threw it in park. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and, and he didn't do that because he was tired. He didn't do that because he was lazy. He did that because he's God. He's God, holy. God rested, and God is holy, and therefore rest is holy. And uh, we want to know more about God. We want to um, put ourselves in sync with God's will. And observing a 24-6 way of life, mm. at least for me and for many, many other uh, followers of Christ over the last 2,000 years has been a way of uh, understanding God and God's peace. And we should mention, yes, it's in the Decalogue. It is the fourth commandment given to Moses. And yet, this idea of Sabbath rest predates the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. It's It's been there since day seven. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and you bring up something that I found since uh, this book came out, and this book came out uh, last November. And uh, I've been to many churches and to some seminaries teaching uh, about this. And one of the things I've done is to ask people to just stop and buddy up with neighbors around them and spend a couple minutes remembering their best 
memories about Sunday when they were growing up. And I tell people, if you didn't grow up uh, uh, with a Sunday or a Sabbath day, uh, there's a premium on people missing hair and with gray hair. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and what happens is that the happiness level of noise rises and rises in the church. As a matter of fact, the only time I thought I've lost control of a mm-hmm. situation was in, in a church. And, and what people are remembering is dinners with family, spending time with family, spending time at church, um, taking naps, a day in which they were defined not as consumers, not as human doings, but as human beings. Mm-hmm. There's some beautiful things that happen in that space. And uh, I realized that 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 commandment to remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy, that can be taken two ways. One is to remember to observe, but the other is literally to remember what happens on that day. That's Mm -hmm. holy stuff. I, I want us to also be able to take that over to Jesus, because this concept of a Sabbath rest just shouldn't rest in Exodus or Deuteronomy or wherever. It's in the New Testament. It's something Jesus followed, even though people in his day thought he was breaking the Sabbath. But Matthew, let's let's talk about you a little bit. You're not only a physician, you were an emergency room physician. Uh, trauma, you see it all. Can you just tell us a little bit of, you know, were you, were you born into the perfect Christian home and what's your background? Can you, can you share that with us? Sure. I uh, was not born into the perfect uh, Christian home, uh, but I attended some church as a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more of a cultural thing. I never heard a parent do an extemporaneous prayer or say, let's go check the Bible and see what it has mm-hmm. to say. And um, I... Uh, swore off religion, really. And my wife and I met when she was 18, and she's from a Jewish family. And so we went about life and lived that way until our I was in my mid-40s with no religion whatsoever. I'd never attended a church or a synagogue. And my children were raised without any religious grounding. Uh, we raised our kids in an area of the country that's unchurched. New, uh, New England. New, Northern New England. But the the point of our life was really about what kind of home did we have, how successful uh, were we, um, how big were the shrimp at the party, <laughs> that sort of thing. And that was that was the meaning of life. And of course, that that kind of life is fine when everything's going along smoothly. But when bad things happen, there's there's a lack of framework to put it into context. And we had some bad things happen. One one thing is my wife's uh, only brother drowned in front of our children, and we just had other things that happened that were bad. And um, I woke up to uh, the fact that there was evil in the world. And you certainly see evil uh, on the outcome of evil in an emergency department. Sure. And I woke up to that and I wondered what what counters all this? If there's evil in the world, where does the light come from? Mm. And I went reading through a number of the sacred texts of the world, uh, read the Ramayana and the Bhagavad Gita, which are uh, Hindu texts. Uh, but the last book that I read was that Bible that I picked up. How, how did you pick that up? I picked it up because it was on a it was on a coffee table in the hospital. Uh, somebody planted it there, and uh, I realized that it was a Bible. I realized that I never read it, and that we did not have one in our house. And so I just took it. 
Stole it. Stole it. <laughs> it. It turns out that that's the Gideon's plan. You know, yes, that, that's right. It's the, uh, the trap that uh, snapped shut. <laughs> and I read the Gospels, and I was confronted with Christ. And, you know, probably we take it for granted, the truth that rings out from that Scripture that's 2,000 years old, we should read other writings around the time of Christ. You mm. will, you will get a, you know, go and read uh, Pliny or Seneca or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. You'll get an idea how real Christ is mm. and how timeless. It's, it's not that Pliny wasn't writing reality, but how Christ is is today, tomorrow, forever, mm. um, real and alive and s- trying to speak into our lives uh, a truth and a sanity, really, that I needed. And, and I found so there. here you were in your mid-40s, right. and you had the Son of God speaking to you in your life. That typically doesn't fit into the rational mind of an emergency room physician. It it doesn't. We we are raised in the in the kind of this this modern time with uh, reproducibility being uh, mm-hmm. something that's uh, paramount, uh, the scientific method, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And and Christ as CS Lewis said leaves you no place uh, to go other than to accept him at face value for what he is. He's not mm-hmm. a good moral teacher. As a matter of fact, as Lewis said, he's a very immoral person if what he's claiming isn't true and what he's claiming to be mm-hmm. is you look at me, you're looking at the Father, the maker of, of the universe. That's a big and a bold claim. Mm-hmm. And of course he does this other trick of coming back to life. <laughs> And, and <laughs> not just from the dead, but three, and not just three, Aslan, yeah, yeah, but not, in real yeah, three life, day, Jesus. Yeah, three days stinking dead. And that's a hurdle uh, for people in the modern world to get over. But one of the things that Christ offers is peace. In the midst of what he says is going to be turmoil, that he does not bring peace at every level to your life, mm. but he brings an ultimate uh, peace. And he says, you know, take, take my yoke upon you, which is... A yoke is some rules, some obligations, and learn from me, and you're you're going to exchange your worldly burdens for an eternal peace. Matthew, um, that's how you met Jesus then. Let's talk about just the life you lived. You know, you worked incredible hours, um, not just in med school, not just residency, all the time. Think of an instance of just some patient that you could share with us that really, as you look back now as a Christian, you see some profound spiritual truth that you were learning at that point, even before you knew Jesus Christ or after. There's one that I illustrate in the book, and I believe I called her Miss Beebe. By the way, all the names are changed to, to, protect, uh, the to protect the innocent. Right. <laughs> and uh, she came in and had this magnificent family around her. Uh, she was a Christian. I knew that. And I would meet Christians occasionally in the emergency department. Most Christians, by the way, keep Jesus so well hidden that you, you don't you don't know, which is a shame. Yes. But uh, that was not hidden in her case or in her family's case. And I saw this warmth and, and concern, uh, but not a fear of death. And of course, in the emergency department in medicine, you're dealing with uh, life and death mm-hmm. issues. And fundamental to the, uh, the promise of Christ is, 
is life after death. Mm. And so that takes away some of the fear. Sure. And you see that, that reassurance and bravery that comes with some people's uh, faith. A lot of times you don't see it, but uh, I, I do recall seeing that. And I uh, recall people who were just unafraid of death because they were, to them, mm. it was the beginning of the next chapter of life for them. This is so amazing in that one case where she was surrounded by believers, family. Uh, you weren't yet a believer, and uh, she was a believer. Um, now, as you reflect back on that, you saw the comfort of the Lord at work, didn't you? I did. I think that one of the things that has been uh, a gift of coming to believe in the Lord late is an understanding that the Lord is interested in in all of us. The Bible says mm. the Lord makes the rain to fall on the wicked and the just. Mm -hmm. the, the wicked are sent good things as, <laughs> as well. And uh, in, in uh, some theology, this is called prevenient grace mm -hmm. that is mm -hmm. extended uh, to us. And, and looking to see how God has redeemed certain areas of my life and my family's uh, life, uh, realized that God was wanting to do more probably at the time. We just didn't, mm -hmm. didn't allow that to happen. Um, Matthew, how do you think the Lord took you from the busy schedule of an ER physician to the point where he called you to Jesus Christ, and now you have this great sense of resting in the Lord, taking a Sabbath rest, and sharing that rest with others? Why? That's a tough question. <laughs> It's a big question. I think I view uh, so much of the gospel as a kind of an integrated system. You know, Paul said, uh, the, described the church and our faith as a body. And it's a system that, that grows, our understanding of it grows more and more complicated. But we're made in the, in the Lord's image. And the rest of the world can go 24-7. You know, a shark never stops swimming and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But in that stopping, in that time of reflection, in as Psalm 46 says, in being still, we come to know that there is a Lord and a God. And again, I'm going to go to, to C.S. Lewis here in uh, the Screwtape Letters. Uh, the devil says, you know, all we've got to do to get somebody's soul is just keep them busy. <laughs> <laughs> And if we keep them busy enough, they won't think about God. Um, and I think that naturally when we come to rest, we begin to reflect on things bigger than ourselves, mm. um, or that, that, that's made possible. And I think that's part of the reason that Sabbath is there. If you just joined us, you're listening to Haven Today. We're coming to you from Lexington, Kentucky. This is Dr. Matthew Sleeth, and uh, we're talking about the Sabbath. Sabbath rest, 24-6 is the title of his book. Why 24-6? 24-6 sits as a contrast to the 24-7 life, which is is available to people and, and people are immersed in where they, they get phone calls and texts around the clock and often are expected to uh, answer emails seven days a week, uh, really almost 24 hours a day. And uh, in that, you hear a lot of, uh, there aren't enough hours in the day, there aren't mm -hmm. enough days in the week, I don't have enough time to do what, what I 
want to do, or certainly people who are in, involved in in uh, faith say, I, I don't have time to read the Bible, I don't have time to get to know the Lord better. Um, 24-6 is the plan that God set up and reinforced in the fourth commandment uh, to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. And of course, we read about Christ, and we find uh, Christ um, was uh, somebody who observed the Sabbath, and uh, in, in everything that Christ did, as, particularly as he taught about the commandments, uh, Christ was trying to get society um, back to what the intent of the laws were. So if the commandment says, thou shall not kill, Christ says, that's, that's not the full intent of the law. Don't mm-hmm. be angry either. And so the question that 24-6 tries to answer is, the longest commandment, which is the Sabbath commandment, what did Christ try to uh, point us to? And some of the things had gotten ridiculous. Um, the uh, rules the and the regulations can be very legalistic. It can be very legalistic, as uh, you you'd mentioned right before we came on the air that uh, there's a, a section in twenty four six about just how. All right, Frank, go, go frankly, ahead and tell in, it. insane the the, uh, the definition of rest and work had gotten, and there was in Christ's time there's a sect uh, um, that that maintained that you weren't supposed to move your bowels on the Sabbath because that was work. Uh, to which I I kind of say, how do you think it got the name restroom? You know that. Um, and, <laughs> All right, I can't hold back my laughing any longer. <laughs> that that actually was a little strain of Judaism at the time of Christ. That was, and that's an inane. Uh, thing, or we can laugh about that, but probably the most poignant is Christ turning to a woman who had scoliosis and had been crippled for much of her life and healing her. And the fact that there were legalists that were upset about that, Christ said, you're missing the entire point of what the Sabbath is about. And uh, as Christ does seven miracles on the Sabbath, seven healings, I really think he's saying that this is a time of healing and being made whole. That is one of the very big purposes of, of the Sabbath. It, it, it's interesting you say that, and I know from reading your book, you actually take Sabbath keeping, you point out it started before the giving of the law to Moses, but then you take it on to Jesus too as you just did. Christ believed it was all right to heal somebody on the Sabbath. Uh, The Jews of the day thought that he was working and you shouldn't work. Uh, But Jesus always condemned them for that attitude. He did. And I think, um, you know, when he says that I'm Lord, even of the Sabbath, I think you can really read uh, the the sections about Christ and the Sabbath, and and Christ is taking it one step further. He's saying, "I am the Sabbath," mm-hmm. uh, and uh, when he he reads uh, from Isaiah, and he says, "I'm here to declare the acceptable year of the Lord," mm-hmm. which is the Jubilee year, which mm-hmm. is the mother of all Sabbaths. Sabbaths, and he sits down and says, "You've seen it today. It's here." Uh, and uh, again, in Hebrews, they talk about this, this rest um, that uh, people couldn't get through the legalistic keeping of the Sabbath. And um, so God sent Jesus. How many hours a week were you working as an ER physician, uh, running a hospital? Uh, uh, 60 to 70, probably. To, and, and that was probably. after med school. That yeah. was after all your training. Uh, you were in an occupation where you were there for life, and yet you... Some weeks had no life yourself. 
that's pretty brutal, isn't it? It's brutal. And uh, I think more and more we are working more hours. Uh, that's statistically true. Has that changed more that's, today? That's changed according to the uh, federal government over the last uh 20 years, uh, work is up about 15%. So the average person is working more hours. Now, the federal government doesn't keep track of people going to church, by the way. The thing that's <laughs> the activity that's taking the hit um, is, is church going is one of the things that's, that's gone. As we think about this from the church's perspective, the real estate in time that the church has been built on is the Sabbath or the Sunday, as most um, most Protestants observe that day. And that's the piece of real estate that the church has lived on. And for what all we had to do was just sign and renew the lease. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, over the last few decades, we've given up the lease. And we're wondering, you know, why, why the church is in free fall. Some people wonder why society is in uh, free fall. Daniel Webster said, if you uh, lose the Sabbath, you'll lose the church. If you lose the church, you'll lose the family. If you lose the family, you'll lose the nation. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. And I began this book with an epigraph by Abraham Lincoln, in which Lincoln says that the, the Sabbath is humanity's last hope. Lincoln made a proclamation that uh, Union soldiers neither fight nor work on the Sunday unless it was absolutely necessary. They were being attacked, in other words. Mm -hmm. His reasoning was that if we lost that value of Christianity, of observing the Fourth Commandment, it wouldn't matter who won the war, we would have lost. You tell the story, too, of uh, David Green, Hobby Lobby. I do. I uh, was uh, fortunate. David called me at, when I finished this book, and we talked about uh, Sabbath. And then uh, along with this book, there's a uh, companion DVD uh, for uh, small groups to use. So I, David invited me out to his headquarters and spent the day filming and interviewing. And he talked about how he'd started Hobby Lobby, and he had it open seven days a week. He more or less knew it was always wrong from mm. the beginning. Uh, but some things convicted him, and I believe it's 1992, he um, closed uh, a few of the stores on Sunday. Then he relates that uh, a newspaper covered that and said that if it goes well, he'll, he's going to close more stores. And he said that just sounded awful. It was like, mm. well, I'm going to test the Lord, and if the Lord comes through, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, and he said then he, he, he made a decision to start closing all of them. Uh, they were bringing in $100 million on Sundays a year then. He said initially their sales fell, their income mm. uh, fell significantly, but then it came back up and has kind of exceeded uh, everybody's mm. expectations. Of course. Um, and it's been a blessing for them and their employees, and that sort of thing. And the numbers are so big, it sounds dramatic when we talk about a, a chain of stores like that. But I think it requires a little courage to say, no, if, if, if soccer games or practices on Sunday, church maybe comes first. That uh, You may have to give up something like may, an Eric Little. Yeah. And just trust the Lord. And, exactly. and you may not always win a gold medal after that. You're not doing it to get something. Absolutely. I think the other thing is that, you know, Sabbath is something, it's it's not like your best life in three steps, or something right. like that. Right. It's not instant, you know, happiness and success. 
keeping a Sabbath, uh, setting aside one day a week uh, as a holy day, uh, it takes a lifetime. And in an average life, you're going to spend 10 years or something in, in the Sabbath. But if you um, do anything for 10 years or take anything away for 10 years, any activity, it's going to change life profoundly. If I were to take 10 years of education away from the average person, mm-hmm. they'll still be a person. They could still talk and everything, but mm-hmm. it will vastly change their worldview. To take the Sabbath away uh, from the average person is not only changing uh, the character of that person, but of the church and, and our nation. And yet that's what we've done. That's what we've done. Mm-hmm. I do the 90 hours a week. I think we probably have a lot of listeners, including people in ministry, that are working way too many hours and they don't know really how to rest in the Lord. So how do I find this Sabbath rest in Jesus that what I hear you saying is it's not just the fourth commandment, but physically speaking as a physician, we desperately need. The first thing, if you want to explore this. And, and, and by the way, if somebody doesn't keep the Sabbath their entire life, my understanding is that's not what gets you into heaven <laughs> or not. Um, or uh, even the day you keep the Sabbath, right. you don't hold that as being Right. I, I believe that important. we are saved by grace and by, by Christ's work, um, not our work. Nonetheless, I'd like to have a little piece of that heaven before I get there. Mm, And mm. I believe that that happens when we keep a day uh, as a holy day of rest. And uh, I would suggest that the first thing people do is to pray and to say, God, I'm overwhelmed. I've got too many things on my plate. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I need help with this because I don't believe that we can do it on our own. I think we naturally um, are drawn to a chaotic life that, um, that keeps us from from serving the Lord, really, and so I would I would say begin in prayer. Ask the Lord to help you with this. Um, read this book or uh, others. There are other books out about the uh, the Sabbath. There are. Uh, um, yes. I think Sabbath is best kept in community. And so what I've seen since this book has come out, and what I've been in, involved in, is a number of churches that are studying this and trying to figure out how do we do this with uh, single parents, with uh, uh, soccer practices or whatever, games on Sundays and that sort of thing, with all the church committees and jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, People are talking about this. I was at one church in North Carolina, in uh, Burlington, North Carolina, uh, working with a a group, small group, about 70, and uh, they were discussing the uh, the things uh, that were keeping them from from being able to have rest. And one of the people said, "You know, we have a member of our church, and uh, she is a single mother. Uh, she has a child that's uh, got some type of disability, and now she's having to take care of an elderly parent." Mm. And she mm-hmm. said, uh, and so this person works seven days a week, and they have no time for anything. How is she supposed to keep the Sabbath? And mm-hmm. I said, what you're describing is a slave. Mm-hmm. And Christ mm-hmm. said, I'm here. My church is here to set slaves free. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is the work of the church to set that woman free, <laughs> wow. to help. And uh, otherwise, our church is just a social club, you know. And so I think that some of these things are going to have to be worked out by the church, the body of the church. But I would say, you know, start by reading 24-6 or another book um, and realize that you're entering into a joy. 
Mm. I do talk about giving in 24-6 because tithing is, an, is another thing that people do, which is counterintuitive, but nobody who ties that I know of goes broke. Right. right. <laughs> and it's just, uh, it's just a reality. And it's the same thing. If you don't have enough time in your life, you start keeping the Sabbath, you have more time. It's, it's counterintuitive. And there's so many things that Christ tells us. The entire Sermon on the Mount is about mm-hmm. how counterintuitive God's kingdom is compared to ours. So pray, uh, read a book like this, work uh, with a small group in church. or um, To encourage each other. To encourage uh, and, each and, other. And just start doing it. Dr. Matthew Sleep, uh, we're going to get you back a little more later this week. Great. Would you lead us in prayer and just just pray for people that are, are like me and they're resonating with, I need a Sabbath rest. Would, would you pray oh, for be, those I'd, of us overworked people I'd out there? I'd be honored. Um, dear Heavenly Father, Father of Peace, uh, we are overworked. We have so many things coming at us, so many things trying to uh, get our attention, so many possibilities, and yet often we feel unsettled anxious, depressed. I pray for the listeners um, and everyone within the sphere of influence of, uh, of this show that uh, your spirit of peace uh, would invade them, um, that your Holy Spirit uh, would uh, refresh and renew people, and that they would find uh, the rest that they're hoping for, and uh, that not only that they would find that rest, but that they would take the Sabbath and all that it promises, just show that uh, like a light to the world, because this answer of not enough time cannot be solved by anything other than you. We ask for that peace in the Prince of Peace's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Great Stories with Charles Morris. That interview took me two and a half days to get to because I was caught in a rare thunderstorm at Chicago's O'Hare Airport and all the flights out were canceled. But it was all worth it. And I want to thank again Dr. Matthew Sleeth for sharing biblical insights on how and why we need God's gift of Sabbath rest. Now, if you want to hear more conversations like this, why don't you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts? And if you enjoyed this episode, help us get the word out by leaving a five-star review. You can also go to haventoday.org and sign up for our weekly email and discover additional episodes posted on the blog. And as always, thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris.